Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. So glad that you chose to join us today here in Colorado. We're coming off a snowstorm yesterday. It wasn't um, massively big, but it was enough to create dangerous conditions for driving and such. So we had everything closed here at the church. That's why an encore was playing yesterday. But I was just thinking as we were praying pre-service on our pre-show today that we're just uh, grateful that whatever the timing is when you hearing those um, encores, that um, it is it is from the Lord that that's the particular um that's the particular time that the Lord has in, has ordained. Um, and that particular conversation and everything going on was from the Lord. So um, we are grateful to be a very small part of the huge work that God's doing in your life. And I invite you to join me on the program. Uh, let me pull up my call screen first uh, so that we can get everything in order. I was on early enough and I didn't do it. Uh, welcome everyone listening on the Radio by Grace Network all around the country, Hope FM, uh, Truth FM, and Higher Rock Radio, as well as all of our friends here on the Grace FM Radio Network. Um, and you guys listening on the app, um, we're so grateful to be a part of your life uh, and to be a small part of the discipleship that Lord's doing in your life. And you know, uh, one way uh, that you can use this program is for the purposes of discipleship, uh, where you're not just listening to the questions and answers, but you're listening to how they're being answered. You're um, maybe gaining new information, but more than anything, you're gaining insight on the cares and concerns that people are carrying in their life that will help make you a more effective person in the hands of God. And, you know, I think in this hypercritical um really difficult season that we're all in. The last thing we need is people hyping up all the complaining and murmuring and uh, just super critical. Please stop feeding yourself hypercritical people. The Holy Spirit doesn't use that. Your flesh loves it, but the Holy Spirit doesn't use that hypercritical nastiness that has become so popular. Uh, so give us a call, 303-690-3000, and we're taking your calls and your questions. We got somebody on the line already, so let's head over to Lexington, Kentucky. Jacob, welcome to the program. Thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah, what's up? So my question is, what exactly makes uh, the unpardonable sin uh, unforgivable? And why is it that so many people have different viewpoints on what it is? And um, 
you know, they often say, if you feel like you haven't done it, then you probably haven't done it. But that doesn't, you know, really assure if somebody has or has not. And I was just wondering if you can give me some yeah. viewpoints on that and stuff like that. Well, let's start with the second part of your question. Actually, the third part of your question. Let's start there. You know, the idea that someone's concerned about this sin, I don't want you to minimize. I want you to be careful, I would say, of minimizing the fact that someone that cares about it uh, probably hasn't committed it. And that's an important concept because I was just emailing somebody today, too, that um, in uh, he emailed, uh, connected through the radio, I think, and he was concerned about a sin in his life and a difficulty and and just wondering whether he should be born again again. That was kind of like his question. And part of my answer to him was exactly what you just said. Somebody that that either wants to be or considers or, you know, looks at their life and like, I want to be right with God again, um, probably uh, is, you know, again, I don't know the hearts of men or women, but that's a good indication. And we don't want to minimize that because unbelievers are dead, the Bible says, unregenerate. They don't care about the things of God. Um, they... They don't voice. They don't voice real concern. I mean, they could fake it. They can pretend. They could be very religious. Um, but a person that has a genuine question like that, um, that's a good sign. Number one. Um, number two. The second part of your question was why so many opinions or viewpoints. And you know, I think that's just something Christians we're good at. Um, we're good at coming up different views. We're good at. <laughs> Um, taking something that's simple and making it complex, and then even taking something that's complex and making it almost impossible so that we argue about our viewpoints. You know, we what, what did Jesus, he, just a, verse, a passage just popped in my head. Um, let me read it to you. Let me find it first here. He taught, he was, he was, um, he was, uh, what's the word I want to use? Condemning the Pharisees. And he says this, he says, um, in Matthew 15, in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And I think that there's another way you could say that uh, and say, you know, they in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the opinions of man. And uh, we're just good at that, and it's unfortunate. So to the specific question, the Bible question of what is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, or you could also say, what is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit or the unforgivable sin? Um, and Jesus says all sins, all manner of sin is forgivable except this blasphemy. There is there is one sin that won't be forgiven. Um, and with all the viewpoints, I think as we deduce what's happening here, what's happening as they ascribe, the Pharisees or the religious rulers are ascribing the work of God to the devil— I think that you could say and extrapolate from that that the unpardonable sin is a rejection of Jesus Christ. There is no way that sin will be forgiven. You, if if a person dies in that sin, uh, and and dies in a in a position of their life that isn't um, that isn't in a relationship with him of repentance, that sin is unforgivable. And so really the, the context of that is you have a group that are watching Jesus work and they ascribe him to Beelzebub. I mean, it's just the essence. It's not just the saying Jesus is like the de doing the devil's work, but it's living in that condition, in that condition, 
that that will never be forgiven. The blood of Jesus Christ does not cover the rejection of him. Can I ask a few, a uh, couple more questions real quick on that, please? Sure. Um, I guess, you know, so if they, when he said that, if those Pharisees at that moment asked for forgiveness, would they have been forgiven, or did they already have committed that? Yeah, I think that I think that the reality of um, let's go to the text real quick. Let me before I just say something. Let me look at the text here. Mark, I think he, I think it's in Mark, or let's go to Matthew. Maybe Matthew twelve, Matthew twelve. Let's see what he says directly to them, because he's obviously saying something in a broader sense. Um, and then, of, and then, of course, there is a line I believe that gets crossed. Um, and if this particular group um, would have repented, I think, again, we're talking, um, we are talking hypothetical, right? Because we don't know exactly um, whether they had committed this or not. But let me just see the, then was brought to him demon possessed. They were amazed. Jesus knew their thoughts. Every kingdom divided itself. So he explains himself. Um, and then, um, therefore I say to you, every sin, it will be forgiven tree, good man. So it, it doesn't say in Matthew 12, I'm not going to look them all up for the sake of the show to hear, but it doesn't say in Matthew 12 that they committed it. However, at the end, there does seem to be. Uh, that there are those in the group here. He says, by your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. Um, there's a good chance that there were some in that group that committed that sin. And is it because they were in unbelief or because they specifically said he had a demon? Because I know Marcus says, uh, because they said he had an unclean spirit. So some people say, oh, it's just rejection. But, you know, Marcus said clearly something they said and uh that makes me scared you know if you say something that you think is of god and say oh that's the devil and it's not then you committed blasphemy no matter how sorry you are it's unforgivable and that's personally where i feel like i've okay. done that i attribute some that was of god to the devil um and you know i'm sorry about it but you yeah. know i said it and there's no remission of sin because god himself said that yeah that's a good clarification so let's let's make sure we make a distinction between blasphemy and the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Um, even Paul the Apostle, when he gives his testimonies, talks about how he blasphemed God, that his life, as an, even as an unbeliever, was filled with blasphemy, uh, and yet he received forgiveness. So the fear or the concern that you have about your own words is a very different sin than the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Um, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a is a is a I believe the the best way to describe it for us is a line that is crossed in the heart of an unregenerate person that of which he'll never recover. And that's basically not believing that Jesus is the Son of God, correct? Yeah, and living in that like that some some kind of it's it's not just merely believing that and living with a sense of unbelief. It is the depth of depravity in a person where in their heart of hearts, they've crossed a line that they won't be able to cross back over. It's very similar to the demons or the angels that rebelled with, with, with Satan. 
that they only had one decision. They crossed the line that they can never go back over. And for believers, Jesus says that it's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so even the difference between blasphemy saying um, evil things about God or thinking evil things about God or um, you know speaking in a way that brings um, disaster you know or brings about a negative connotation of God is different than the baptism of the Holy Spirit because even Paul the Apostle was guilty of blasphemy. Can you blaspheme the Holy Spirit today? I've heard some people say you can only do it to Jesus' face, but I don't know if that's true or not. No, you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit today. It's absolutely. By rejecting him. Yes. Okay. And the thing but, the, the thing about, so one other, we have one other thing to add to that um, that would be helpful is that you and I, we do not know who has committed this sin. We don't know. So anybody that's alive and breathing with their eyes wide open, uh, we evangelize, we encourage, we we have hope for, we pray for. But, you know, we don't write someone off and go, you know what, you're unregenerate, you'll never believe, you've committed the... Bo-. Like, I don't know. It's, because it's a, it's a heart condition between a person and God. Um, even though you could think of some really wicked, evil people on the earth um, that probably cross the line, but we don't know. And if we ever got to meet them in person, we'll share the gospel with them and let the Lord sort it out. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking a little longer for this question. I really appreciate you. No problem. Thank you for calling, bro. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Let's come back to Colorado now. Nicole, welcome to the program. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, just want to quick, get a quick kind of godly perspective. I think I know the answer. I don't know. I don't know the answer, but godly perspective <laughs> on freezing eggs. Um, you know, it's on my heart to have a family and be a mom since my 20s and now I'm in my 40s and God still hasn't sent the right one and I never want to be married and miserable so I usually had kids if I wanted to and a family but it would have been terrible um it would have been a nightmare instead of a dream so um kind of reaching the 40s kind of getting a little anxiety about you know missing out on having kids so the I have an appointment kind of talking about freezing eggs and trying to find a guy like perspective on that as far as freezing eggs Maybe having my own kid but myself through the guys. I don't know. I'm trying to find a guy if that makes sense. <laughs> it does. You know, with the modern medical advances today, it opens up a lot of moral and ethical issues surrounding these very things, whether donation to a sperm bank or freezing of eggs for a future purpose. And um, there's a lot of debate on this, a lot of concerns um, that that would that you have to consider because it's profoundly a personal decision on how you view uh, what exactly are you freezing um, on on uh, um, what's the word I want to use on uh, what's the word when they're not um, fertilized you know when an egg isn't fertilized then you're just re- preserving what would be possible um, had your body you know your body was able to create that in the future so there's something very different between a fertilized egg and a non-fertilized egg. Um, and that's getting into areas that I've never ventured into. I've never had to with my wife. So I don't know all the medical details of that. But I would say this. You go have your appointment. Let the doctor explain it to you. Uh, the di- what's going to happen? What's going to take place? Um, what that what that lo- is going to look like? 
um, and then you'll be able to have more information to say um, what it, what exactly am I stepping into, and it'll inform your prayer life to really seek Him deeply because that's a decision you're going to make between you and the Lord. I still I, I never thought I'd be faced with this situation ever. Of course, and so it freaks me out a little bit. Um. It makes me sad I have to face it because I kind of don't want to, but then it, I was you know, loss of ever having a chance of having a kid. I don't know. I don't want a Sarah, Sarah story. We already have that. Well, <laughs> I don't I mean, have I, a kid at 80. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, think that, I think that as I'm listening to you, because I, I understand that you understand the gravity of this decision, and I, I'm keying in on that word. It kind of freaks me out a little bit. I would pay attention to that if I was you. I would make that like at the forefront, Lord, what am I feeling? What are you trying to tell me? Why do I feel this way? Not just personally and my personality and my stage of life, but what are you trying to reveal to me? And and recognize that this appointment with the doctor to gain more information of exactly what's happening is only one of many options. Um, the foster care system would allow you to be a part of a child's life, uh, adoption, of which I was adopted, uh, would allow the same opportunity for you with ch- with a child. So it's not your only option. Um, I do understand probably some of the feelings about um, a child related to carrying it and nine months in the womb and that such. But I mean, there are there are other options that are available to you as the Holy Spirit leads you, um, even in this age and even in this stage of life that you didn't think you'd be in at this stage. Like it, I would just say. Pay attention to the freaking out because whenever we freak out, it it almost always doesn't lead to anything good. True, and God is a God of peace, and when there's no peace, it's not usually from God. Yes, less pressure. Okay. So Thank let me pray for much. you because you need wisdom Thanks. from heaven. So, Father, I pray for my sister. She's ultimately asking for wisdom um, of what to do and what decisions to make. And of course, there are all sorts of um, options, and but she—it's hers, her life. It's—it's it's not all of our opinions, or even the world's opinion, but it's her life, her womb, the eggs that her body's um, producing, and and her future and relationship with you. And so I, I pray that you would help her sort it out, and just let this doctor's appointment be an information gathering that she wouldn't feel any undue pressure, but that she would, as you said, um, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make our request known to you, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. Bless you. Bye-bye. All right, 303-690-3000. Somebody texted in that some of the Pharisees got saved in Acts 15. Yes, Uh, which leads me to believe that not all the Pharisees, uh, number one, were in the presence of Jesus when they brought, not not the whole um, entirety of the Pharisees of the day were not there to blaspheme Jesus. And slash or the people in the presence of Jesus not all of them agreed. Only some of them uh, blasphemed the Holy Spirit, and others watched and listened. So 303 690 
877-590-3000. We're going to head back to Maryland now. Uh, Dan in Baltimore, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I had a question. Uh, how do you, if you're questioning whether you're saved and yes. you are kind of staying in that uh, limbo, how do you make sure that you are? And if you have a very hard heart because of sin, how do you, how do you not have a hard heart? Yeah, so that that those are good questions. You know, when I think of hardness of heart, I think of two categories: um, har- the hardness of heart that an unbeliever has, and the hardness of heart that a believer has. And so, for the first part, um, uh, the unbelieving heart that is hard is drawn to the Father by the Holy Spirit and conviction is brought upon them to draw them without that lead without being drawn by God um, there is there is no way that they'll ever be able to respond um, to the hardness of heart and and the good news is is that uh, God sends forth his word and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus and that work is happening and everyone will be responsible for their rejection of Jesus ultimately. And so now for, for someone that you're describing that's a believer and is lacking assurance, I think that we, we have to talk a little bit about, is it only a hard heart? Because hard hearts definitely make it worse. For example, um, you'll recall Jesus talked about divorce. Um, are you familiar with the teachings of Jesus on divorce? Mm-hmm. The main thing that he tells people that are thinking about divorce right now or even looking back on one is that divorce ex- happens because of the hardness of heart. So that tells me that there are married people right now that have hard hearts. So a hard heart doesn't change the status of your relationship in marriage until you go through the whole process and purposely, you know, go to the courts and fill out the paperwork and abandon your spouse or leave your spouse or, you know, divorce your spouse. So what that tells me about my walk with the Lord is that I can be a real believer with a hard heart. That's not a good place to be, but I can have a heart hardened toward the things of God. I can have a heart as a believer that is not enjoying God, that is resisting the Holy Spirit, that is sowing to the flesh and all sorts of negative uh, results of a hardened heart. And the way out of that is to have a true godly sorrow about your condition, to be broken over your sin. Because it's not the hard heart that it should be the focus. It's how did a person get there? And, you know, I think for you and me connected from Colorado to Baltimore, if this is you, Dan, then we just have to ask, how did your heart get so hard? Um, so let me ask you, is it is this question about you or someone else? It's about me. Okay. So can you pinpoint in this process of relationship where you became, you know, your feelings and emotions and maybe even taking a position against God or like how, what happened? Um, being caught in sin and then refusing to repent was there a was there a hurt along the way was there just a choice to 
walk away in sin? I mean, was it a combination of that? What? Um, so I thought I was saved uh, and prayed about it way later. Um, and then... Uh, Uh, more things uh, were found and uh, really locked up a lot more and really hardened my heart and have blamed others and not not repented. Sure. And so when you say things were found, what do you mean things were found? Um, Still, still having sexual sin in my life. You, in your life. Yes. Yeah, I think that I think that what you're describing is the overwhelming uh, power that sin has over our lives. For a believer, the Bible declares the the Bible declares that as our flesh, and I like what one author said, I use this definition myself now, he called the flesh our old sinful habit patterns. And so for a believer that's still messing around with things that they've been delivered from, they're just messing around in their own strength, in their own deal. And, you know, with sexual sin and other people, other addictions, other other things that people say they struggle with, you know, we, we have to be honest and just say, man, the reason there's so much sexual sin in your life is because that's because you like it, because you'd rather have it. But then at the same time, if you're born again, which it sounds like you are from your description, it sounds like you are, then you are miserable about it. Unbelievers aren't miserable about, uh, miserable over sexual sin. Um, but believers, get they, they not only are miserable, but they start to doubt their salvation. They start to condemn themselves. And then that's a vicious cycle where... You know, now you just have a, a reason. Well, if I'm such a horrible person, I'm not saved anyway. I might as well keep sinning. And it's just a, a cycle of destruction. And you're on your way. I can hear it in your voice, Dan, to forsaking sexual sin. But you're not quite there yet. Um, you're not. You're not quite there yet because there isn't a sense. You you might be upset. You might be questioning your salvation. You might be questioning your assurance. But but the thing is, is that. You, what where God desires us to be is to be broken before Him and sense our separation and to have a a true godly sorrow over that particular area of our lives that that foothold that stronghold where you would forsake it and walk away from it um, and so I'm going to pray with you because we're coming up on the end of the first half here but Dan what I want you to do is. I want you to email me and I'm going to send you a Bible study I did on godly sorrow. And I'm going to ask you to listen to it and see if, number one, if that doesn't answer your question. And then number two, no matter what, even even if it doesn't answer your question, I want to continue this dialogue with you uh, as well as, you know, your, your pastor, somebody getting involved in you. But email me at ed at edtaylor.org, just ed at edtaylor.org. It has to be .org. And I'll send you the link for this. And I just, it, it, it describes the place that God's bringing you. Um, and so, Father, I pray for my brother Dan that you would deliver him from this pattern of sin. 
that even if the pattern of sin is revealing that he's not saved or never was to begin with, God, either way, you have his attention. And so I pray that by having his attention, he would get his eyes firmly fixed on you, surrendering his life to a daily, moment-by-moment obedience in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Dan, email me, and I'll send you this out as soon as you email me, okay? Okay, thank you. All right. I'll see that email soon. 303-690-3000. You hear the music? We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to the second half of today's program. We did have a we did have a snow day yesterday here in Colorado. It wasn't a massive storm, maybe eight or nine inches down in the Aurora area, but it was enough to make it dangerous. So we canceled uh, all of our activities, our school, and and that meant we had an encore because nobody got to the office uh, to run the live show. So I hope the encore encouraged you, whatever date that Kevin picks. I know it's from the Lord. And so if you're listening on the Radio by Grace Network or the Grace FM Radio Network, um, you're listening live um, and online to the app right now. And then anyone listening on Hope FM, Truth FM, or Higher Rock, you're hearing this one week delayed. So even what was played yesterday, we you'll hear next week. But it is recorded live, and it is um, it is something that we do live. It is just um, right now the technology for um, broadcasting live and then and the manpower. It takes a little bit of manpower to make it happen. Um, hasn't been connected yet, but what a privilege to be on the air with you, to be used um, by the Lord. We have two ways you can contact us or two ways you can connect while the show is on. Number one is to call us and be on the air with us. 303-690-3000. The other is to text. We have a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week text line that's available for prayer requests. But during the um, during the show, it's also used with any questions or things that if we need to fill the time, we will use it uh, to fill time and talk about different things that were texted in. Excuse me. And so you can use that. It's a different number. Save them both in your phone. 720-336-0897. That's for texting only. And I think uh, we're going to get right back to the phone calls. We're going to Nebraska now. Casey, welcome to the program. Uh, hello. Hi, Casey. You're on the air. Hi. 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 Um, yeah, I have a question about uh, with with church, I still attend my childhood church. I'm almost 30. Okay. Um, but lately, I haven't really been feeling the Holy Spirit when I'm in there. Um, okay. And I, 
and it kind of makes me think I should venture off and uh, maybe find a new church. But right. then again, I feel like I'm betraying my grandparents who are no longer with us um, because they put the church together and stuff sure. at the country church. Uh-huh. And But how should I know that I should be looking into a different church and kind of what church to look into? Well, it definitely sounds like um, you are already there. You've already arrived at the place mm-hmm. where your spiritual growth is being affected by the congregation that you grew up in. And it sounds like you already arrived. Okay. Um, but, you know, how you do it is pretty significant too, right? I think that um, uh, on from time to time we'll meet with people in our church. Either I'll get a chance to meet with them or one of the pastors on our team will get a chance to talk out what the concerns are um, instead of just disappearing. Because we do have people that just disappear and never tell us anything. Um, and that's not helpful. It's not helpful to them to help us if they, re- you know, because, you know, if you think about the world today, the way our culture is, it's just so consumer driven. And sometimes what we interpret it uh, in our church family uh, that we don't like or that we don't, like you said, I don't feel the Holy Spirit anymore or any of those types of things. We want to sort out just to make sure it's not us. And if we really believe what God says, that God put the pastor in our life by his will, then we would want to talk to them. Um, we would want to hear their point of view. We would want to hear, you know, maybe like a, a you may come to me and go, you know, Ed, I think it's time, or Pastor Ed, it's time for me to move on. And I might say, well, why? And then as you're describing it, I'm like, oh, okay, I see. Uh, we've made some changes and you're not comfortable with them. Um, and it's best that you be in a, in a church that you're not bothered all the time. Or like, I might give that counsel. I, I always remember that the sheep don't belong to me. So if God is moving them on, I want them to move on. Um, but, but then again, if someone says, well, you know, you added colored lights on the stage and I just don't like them. I'm like, are you serious? You're going to go to another church because you don't like colored lights. Um, and then we'll get, if they trust me, we'll get deeper of what exactly is going on in their life. Um, you know, and so somebody might say, well, you know, I'm not being fed in this church. And this is just my, our church here. We teach the Bible, right? Verse by verse, we'll open the spirit, but people will share the same thing. And I'm like, well, pull out the, pull out your notes for the last five weeks. Let's read them together. Oh, well, I don't take notes. Well, then how do you in the world, do you know if you even being fed or not? Like, like, so I would give your pastor a chance to talk with you and maybe there's something in there that he, he can make improvement on or you know, just have that conversation. But it sounds like you've arrived and there's a very good chance what you're feeling is real, right? And and that you're sensing that you're not being fed there and um, and that you're not growing there anymore and that you're there primarily, um, the way you described it, I guess, for the memory of your grandparents. But if your grandparents were here today, would they be more interested in you being in the building or you growing spiritually? Uh, probably spiritually. And I would, I would I honor always that. Meet up with them after church. I can feel like that's what it would turn into. Yeah, I, I think that I would honor the memory of my grandparents by, if if they were true believers, which it sounds like they were, so much so they would help build a church for their community. That they that they would want what's best spiritually for you, not for you to shrivel up so you could sit in a building to honor their memory. I doubt that they would want that. Of course, yeah. And I was kind of looking at a view. I was talking to my boyfriend's mom who attends your church there in Colorado. Yes. And 
Um, I so the church I attend to it's a Lutheran uh, based church. Okay. And but I've been visiting some in town um, that are non-denominational, and yes. the praise bands and stuff I guess that they're putting out is where I'm starting to feel it again in the Holy Spirit, and I leave with goosebumps and just feeling rejuvenated, as opposed to being at the Lutheran Church, everything's by the textbook, and you're standing up, and you're sitting down, and um, is there—should I—I don't know how to word this, I guess, stay within the Lutheran base, or um, should I just, I guess, follow where— I feel the rejuvenation in the non-denominational or a Christian church. Well, I'd even put a third option out there, and I'd say this. You want to find a church that is a worshiping church, an evangelistic church, a learning church, and one that is committed to the cause of Christ, like a loving, filled with the love of God. I did a series. I used the word well, W-E-L-L. Um, that I learned from Pastor Greg Laurie. That's how I taught it. I said, like, that's the kind of church you need to be in. Um, Roman Catholicism and Lutheranism have a lot in common. And one of the main things that old guard Lutheran churches, even though they're Protestant, one of the things that they carried over from Roman Catholicism was a work-based relationship with God. It's not even, it's a religious-based relationship with God that if you're baptized and you're a Lutheran, then you don't need to worry about it. Um, I know I'm being oversimplistic, but it's a very religious, most of the Lutheran churches, um, very religious, very rote. Sounds like that's the one that you're in. Um, very similar to Roman Catholicism, infant baptism. Um, even though the ordinances have been reduced down just to a couple, it's very similar. And and I think that what God is doing in your life right now is I wouldn't so much rely on all my feelings because feelings come and go. But I would rely upon whether I feel the sense of God's presence in my life, whether I'm being strengthened, whether the word of God is being taught, not just used, you know, and so that's one of the commitments that we've made in this church is that we teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter in a way that connects with your heart and your life and teaches you how to follow God. And I know we don't do everything right in our church, but I do know that we we are flexible and open to change along the way so that we can be more usable for the kingdom and not less usable. And so some forms of some, some, um, I don't want to say forms, but, but some groups within Lutheranism are also very liberal, um, and have abandoned the word of God altogether. And, and so the, the idea that God is moving you into a, a rela- a community of believers that emphasize grace and emphasize God's word uh, and emphasize intimate relationship. Those are those are important things that you want to cling to. Okay, I really appreciate your help today. Yeah, it's a it's a big deal because you I can hear it in your voice and I can sense it. It's not unusual, but it's a big deal because you have so many family ties and you know it's it's like when traditionally when we see someone leave Lutheranism or Roman Catholicism, that's like they have a brand new life. Um, they're so um, unbelievably zealous and desiring to obey God. However, they also pay a high price for it in their family. Yeah, that's what I'm getting a little 
stealing from, even though my grandparents passed, but the other one is my mom, and she's the next one I'm kind of nervous to talk to about. For sure, and I think that any mom um, is going to love their, her daughter, even if she disagrees, and I think of my own wife, my own wife, um, was raised in Roman Catholicism. The kind of Roman Catholicism is you're born into it, you die in it, there's no option, no choice, no other church matters. And, of course, Marie and I get together, we're not saved. I walk into a Calvary Chapel, I get saved, then Marie gets saved, and we are on fire for God. Like, like we are dramatically different than anything our both sides of our family had ever seen before. My side of the family, they thought I was in a cult, um, they thought they, they're from a different Protestant church, but they still thought I was in a cult because I wasn't doing their thing. And then Marie's family, like they couldn't believe what she was involved. How could you leave the Catholic church? What were you thinking? But, you know, eventually of all her family, her mom were having these conversations with her. And one of the tactics and one of the things that my, that Marie used to help her mom was, hey, mom, get your Catholic Bible. I'm going to show you in your own Bible what I'm doing. I'm I because you know, typically in religious in religious environments, the Bible's not really used. And so it's kind of a shocker when you're like, Yeah, we're um we sing passionately to God. Well, where's that in the Bible? Well go get your Catholic Bible. Um let me show you. Um and what God did was use the Bible and the testimony of our family and the power of the Holy Spirit. And now uh, Marie's mom, um my mother in law is just a phenomenal saint uh, for the Lord. It's unbelievable what God has done. And who knows, maybe God will use that in your your mom's life. You're not turning your back on Christianity. You're growing. This is what she would want you to do anyway, not be loyal to an institution, but to be loyal to God. And that's the tactic. I That's the way I would handle it. Mom, this is the way you raised me. You raised me to love God. You raised me to worship God. And that's what I'm doing. What, 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 you know, what do you have against that? You know, however your words are, right? I don't know how, right. how however you talk to your mom. And then she was like, well, I can't believe you're leaving the Lutheran church. And you go, mom, where is that in the Bible? Right. I mean, no, that that's some good points. I should definitely make across when I talk to her. But it's pretty intimidating. I don't. Uh, it is. <laughs> it's, it's very intimidating. And, and it'll be very hard. Um, but I think that ultimately in the heart of hearts of your mom, she would want to see you, and you know, if you were if you were heading off into some cult or some weird, you know, abandoning Christianity altogether, we have a different discussion. But in reality, you're really wanting to grow in grace. You're wanting to learn about Jesus. You're and what you're describing in your feelings is you you want to know in the moment that God is with us, and sometimes that is emotional. Sometimes that is non-emotional, but it's always going to be in such a way where God has provided an environment that's beginning to touch your heart. And that's why I tell our church, I say, look, I know we're not the best church. We're not the only church. We don't do everything right. And that's why God has a variety of good churches in our community, because there are different personalities, different ways of relating, and there's a lot of great churches. And we may not be the best church for everyone, Um and so find one where you hear God's word, where you are growing in grace, where you're passionately worshiping, where love is being displayed and evangelism taking place. And I think as hard as it'll be, it's part of growing up. And I know you know that I'm not like giving you any new information, but it's hard to grow up. And as a dad who raised all my kids into adulthood, I can say this. It's been very hard. 
to see my kids grow up and even make decisions that maybe I wouldn't have made. But I also have to learn to give them to the Lord, to let them make decisions. They, If it was a real difficult one, you know, one of sin or something, I I'm not backing down. However, there's room for them to express themselves. There's room for them to disagree with us. Um, and, you know, from where we sit as mom and dad, it's not easy, but God's using that to grow us up too, just like he's going to use it in your mom's life. Of course. And that's why I feel it also where not only with me having to talk to my mom about it, where I'm looking to grow further is I also have three kids that I'm looking out for and yeah. I want them to be able to yes. get the whole effect and not just feel like, oh, I have to stay at this church as well. So it's also them I'm trying to look out for. And I guess the best the best answer is this. You do not have to stay in that church. You have the freedom to obey God. Okay. How's that? That could have been the 30-second answer. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate the in-depth of this conversation a lot. All right. Well, bless you. All right. Thanks. Have a nice night. 303-690-3000. And uh, it is a big deal. I mean, even all the different layers that Casey's dealing with, and some of you are listening, and you're like, what? What do you mean you can't be in a uh, Lutheran church? I didn't say that. Um, I didn't say that at all. Um, I, there was a brother here in, um, in town, uh, that used to be on the radio on one of the stations and he would be on exact time when I was driving into, to my, our church on Sunday mornings. He had his Bible study on the radio on one of the news stations, actually. Um, he was a Lutheran pastor in town here and what a phenomenal man. What I think I, I, I even, uh, officiated a wedding and I, you, they, the couple's family went to the Lutheran church there and officiated a wedding in his church and using the building and such. And what a great brother. Uh, we have some disagreements on doctrine and stuff, but like I was encouraged that if that's the Lutheran church someone's in, they're going to be well taken care of. Um, and so it's not like a broad brush, um, but I can say this, religion will hold you back from intimacy with God. That I, religion, if we create religion in our fellowship here at Calvary or in your church, religion will hold you back. And it was consistent with an earlier question that we had about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It was the religious leaders that Jesus rebuked the most. And yeah, I don't believe in water baptism, uh, in, uh, baptizing babies. It's nowhere in the Bible. It was an invention of Roman Catholicism that Martin Luther took with him. When he, you know, Martin Luther is well known for sparking uh, the Reformation, but he didn't completely reform. As a matter of fact, you Bible students, history, Bible history students know that Martin Luther would have preferred not to leave. He was a Roman Catholic priest. He would have preferred not to leave Roman Catholicism, but to have some of the reforms. And some of the reforms were great, but he took other, he took other bad doctrine with him and you know, just compare it to the scriptures. And here's the problem. You know, one of the dialogues when you're speaking with someone that was raised in Roman Catholicism um, and is, is, is no, that's all they know is the Romanism, um, the, the twisting of scriptures from the Roman Catholic Church. And if you begin to share with them what the Bible says, they will almost always, and maybe I'm speaking to you and, and respectfully I'm speaking to you, that let the Bible say what it says and don't let the church fathers or the different popes or, you know, 
man-appointed leaders be the final word for you. Um, it's including the Bible saying that there would be no office of the Pope. Let church history reveal um, the truth so that for what purpose? For you to get closer to God. I mean, you already start with a desire to follow God, but God wants more than your religious expression. He wants more than your devotion to the church, capital C, devotion to the doctrines of the church, to the catechism. And he doesn't want you thinking you can work your way to salvation and that you have to stay within the system in order to be saved. And he doesn't want you living with a false sense of, I don't know if I'm saved. I won't find out till I get there. That's not true. The Bible says that you can know that you know that you're saved, that you must be born again. There is no other type of believer. There is no such thing as a believer who worked his way there. No way. And I think any person that would take to heart a diligent study of the scriptures would come to the conclusion that God is calling it to himself. No doubt about it. 303-690-3000. Let's head it back to Baltimore. Grace, welcome to the program. Hey, Grace, are you still with us? I'm sorry, Grace. Uh, and... um. Grace, there's a, I have a great resource on miscarriages uh, that I would recommend. But I know that if you're not on the phone, you're not hearing us right now. But for the sake of perhaps, Grace, to, you're tuning in later in Maryland. Email me, ed at edtaylor.org. And there is, I have some great resources, not only on grief, but also on miscarriage, miscarriages in particular all right, let's head back now to Colorado. James, welcome to the program. Hello, Ed. Hello. Hello, Ed. Yes, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I'm in a little bit of a spot. I guess it's not so great reception, but... Okay, what's up? Um, I was just wanting a prayer request because um, I'm still anxious and uh, suffering a lot of stuff from from my retirement. I retired from the military Oh, like a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, and there was a lot of stuff that happened. The last part of my my uh, military career between a deployment and divorce and all kinds of changes, and then my father died, and so um, I'm I'm just really depressed. I just can't seem to. I know what I need to do, sure. and I recognize it, but I just can't seem to to do more than a couple of things a day right now. And uh, I don't know if I've, God's making me rest, um, but it's it's challenging because financially, um, you know, there's some pressure. Yes. Um, but I, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm the man like I was, you know, a couple of years ago in the Army. And uh, I got twins, I got boys. Um, and uh, I have a girlfriend that's um, I want to marry, but yes. I I don't feel I don't want to be a mess, right? Sure. <laughs> Going into it. Yeah. Um, Are you a reader at all? Do you like to read? Not a lot. I used to read a lot. Um, I've kind of fallen off on that, um, but I guess I might have to. <laughs> well, I, I have a great book. It's um. Uh, it is 
a book that that I read probably once a year um, because of some traumatic losses and difficulties in my life, depression, uh, and and letting that word let it sink in. You know, deep discouragement, depression. I picked, I read everything I could on the topic, and I came down to two resources that super super helpful. Um, one is a book entitled Depression by a man by the name of Welch. And if you email me, I can send you these links. Um, and to me, that's probably uh, it's the most practical, the most biblical approach to this topic because the deliverance of you from depression will be wholly a work from God. And then your enjoyment of it will be your cooperation and obedience. And to not minimize the trauma that you've faced, the PTSD, the value that you put in your military service, in your marriage, um, you know, all of the things, whether we realize it or not, you know, we allow this world to define things for us. And then we don't realize it until things leave. And we're like, wait a minute, everything I thought I was, I'm not anymore. And, and all those different things, you know, all sorting it through. It's not, you know, as well as I do, but for the sake of everyone listening, it's not like a radio show. We can't solve it in five minutes, but no, we can. no, no, we can't just, talk. But it I through. do believe in prayer and I do believe God. It, I'm just, I'm trying to be patient, right? Well, you know, you're, you've made it this far. Um, you've made it this far in the condition that you're in and that's commendable. Um, you're alive. You, um, are fighting the good fight. You're in a new relationship. And I want you to, you, there's more good happening for you than you probably see. But one of the things I want to point out to you, whether you recognize it or not, is that even in this depressed, discouraged time, the Holy Spirit is is very evident in your life. And I'll tell you why. Just from this little conversation, you're like, I, I want, I don't want to ask this young lady to marry me until I'm in a, I'm, I'm something she could marry. You know, I forget your words you used, but. But but what what you're really saying is I care more about her than I care about myself. And so I want to get myself in a place where I can honor her and serve her. And that's from the Lord, bro. That's not just you. That's not just some honorable thing, some honorable man that you are. God is working in you that you're 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 caring more for her than you are for yourself. And that's there's a healthy thing to that. There's a very healthy spiritual dynamic to that one thing you shared and the fact that you're asking for help, that's the Lord working in your life. The fact that you can see things, that's the Lord. Like I can go on and on where God is very much alive in you, but your emotions and your feelings and your hurt and your confusion, it's just overwhelming, bro. I get it. It's very overwhelming, but the well, Lord God, has there's a lot of things before me, right? I'm, I'm in, there's a lot of blessings and it feels yes. hard because I can see them. Yeah, but but like the my emotions are not matching my you know my cognitive brain. It's like of course. God has put all these things in my lap here after all this stuff has happened to me, and He's cared for me, and I can see it, but I can't move to well, enjoy that, it and and to honor Him in it, and that's it's like any it's frightening. <laughs> it's it's like in anything you know when you're wounded, it takes time to heal. Um, it doesn't heal overnight. And even in this particular book that I want to recommend to you, um, 
one of the questions that he asks is, what if you don't feel instantly better? I'm like, oh, you know, well, because there's a process. And he answers that question. You know, he says, depression can be a crippling mental health issue, but with the faith in God, new hope can be discovered and a path to become a healthy, happy, happy Christian again can be found. I mean, it's gold. I'm so glad I came across this. It is a golden resource. It's worth your time and investment. It's worth you just sowing seeds. And one of the principles that the Lord gave me during this time too is I just, I just have to do the next thing. And if that means it's I can only do a couple things, then I'm going to do them. I'm going to do them as under the Lord. Um, and and you're well on your way. And so let me just pray for you because the show's coming to end. And email me, um, and I'll send you some links. And I know the and then you can call me back. Uh, you know, in a couple of weeks, just to see what your progress is. And if it's better, we'll rejoice. If it's not so better, we'll press in on prayer. But either way, you will be loved by God unconditionally, no doubt. So, Father, I pray for my friend James. You hear his heart, God, and just the layers of complexity that's led him to discouragement and depression and and even just like not making progress. But at the same time, he is making progress. So help him, God. I do pray that supernaturally you would rescue my brother. And again, like this, a pathway of becoming a healthy, happy Christian again will be found that he might enjoy you in his fullness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, man. Ed at edtaylor.org. Email me. Hey, you hear the music. I only got five seconds left. Appreciate you. We got a big weekend this weekend at Calvary. I hope you're there. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.